You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Now, the first Jewish tribe to be exiled from Medina was Banu Qaynaqa. Why? There's a reason behind that. They made a clear violation of the treaty of the Prophet to the point where the Prophet could not stand idle. Remember all these days and months, every day the Jews would create an incident in Medina, the Prophet would stay silent. He had patience. But it reached a point where the Prophet could not stay silent anymore because they were making clear violations. Basically, Banu Qaynaqa, they had a very strong economic presence in Medina. The famous markets of Medina were basically run by them. Uh, they were economically very well off. Now, the Muslims, they would go to their markets, they would buy and sell. And the Prophet encouraged the Muslims. He told them, yes, we're one nation, go to their markets, buy from them, let them make money. Look at the spirit of generosity that the, the Prophet had. One day, a Muslim woman went to their market. She wanted to buy something. They told her, uncover yourself. Remove your hijab. You want to see your face and hair. She said, no, you don't have that right. They just wanted to give her a hard time and mock her. She said, no, I'm not going to do that. Here's what they did. She was sitting on the ground, picking up some goods, probably to leave when they refused to do business with her. Even though that was a violation of the treaty that they signed with the Prophet to treat Muslims like their own. When she sat down to pick up her goods, a Jewish man came from behind her. He took the bottom of her garment and he tied it to her back. When she stood up, her, her back was completely exposed. Her rear was exposed. And all those Jewish men sat there ha, laughing at her. They made a scene from this lady. She started yelling when she realized what they did to her and they uncovered her. She started yelling and screaming and asking for help. A Muslim man came when he realized what happened. He was indignated. He was very angry. He started beating that Jewish man. He beat him so badly, he died, he killed him. So when the Muslim killed this Jewish guy, all the Jews, they came and they killed the Muslim man. News reached the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, a Muslim woman, she went to their market and this is what they did to her. And all of them were an accomplice. They all laughed, all those tribal leaders, and they accepted what happened. The Prophet came to them, he told them, look, that was the last warning. You have broken the treaty, you have made a clear violation. You signed that you would not harm any Muslim man, any Muslim woman. And today in the market, you exposed a Muslim female in front of everyone. You have broken the treaty, leave the city of Medina. Because that was one of the terms of the agreement. That if they break it, either the Prophet has the right to fight them or to imprison them or just to ask them to leave. The Prophet expels them from the city of Medina. This happened in the second year of the Hijrah, so about a year after the Prophet arrived in the city of Medina. 
Now after all these incidents, by the way, this is like 1% of what they did, what I shared with you. Every day there was an incident. What do you expect the Prophet ﷺ to do? See a Muslim woman violated in broad daylight like that and say, oh no, I have to be patient. How much can you be patient? To what extent? What did she do to you? They would make a joke out of the Muslim population there and the Muslims couldn't take it anymore. We signed a treaty with you. We are treating you as one ummah. Our Prophet is telling us, go to their markets. Fine, let them make, them, let them make money. And this is how you pay back the Muslims? Do you find the command of the Prophet to, to have them leave that area of Medina populated by Muslims to be an unjust one? After all those documents, and remember Banu Qaynaqa were not from the eight, eight Jewish tribes whom the Prophet initially signed the document. They came from by their own request. They came to the Prophet, they told him, we also would like to sign this document. They came. And yet this is how they treated the Prophet and the Muslims. Prophet told them leave. I issue a command to exile you. And they showed no repentance. See had they come to the Prophet, oh Muhammad we apologize, give us another chance. They would never apologize for their mistakes, never. Not a single time you find them coming and apologize. That's how arrogant they were. Had they come and apologized and promised the Prophet that this would not happen again, the Prophet would have forgiven them. But when they're so bold, so reckless, so shameless, what do you want the Prophet to do? So the Prophet exiled them, yes. That is part of the history. But this is why the Prophet treated them you know, in that manner because they were the ones who violated the um, clear clauses of the constitution. So what are some of your thoughts about that? Because today when you read the Prophet's history, from non-Muslims perspectives and especially from Orientalists. Oh see, he's so unjust. He just exiles them out of the city of Medina. And that's all they tell you. They don't tell you why, what happened, what is the document the Prophet signed with them, what are the crimes that they committed. That's unacceptable. So what are some of your thoughts on that? The Prophet exiling them. And remember the Prophet didn't kill them, he did not fight them, he did not imprison their woman. He just told them, khalas, leave. You guys can't sit here and live here when you have no respect for Muslims and you've broken the treaty, leave. You can't be part of this one ummah when this is how you want to react. And they showed no regret. They did not even come to apologize and promise that this would not happen. In fact, they signaled that this is going to be a daily thing. What do you do? Yes, brother. Uh, I mean, the father, the prophet is always patient. He should have just warned them like the first so the brother is saying he was too patient with them. Well, see, the Prophet is also Rahmah, right? When he wants to exile them, the Prophet wants to do that when he's given them all chances to show history that I was merciful with them, I was gentle with them, and Muslims would be violated. But I gave them chance after chance. So when I exiled them, they deserve to be exiled. So no one can come and say, oh, you never gave them a chance. Maybe they would have repented. Now no one can make that claim. Yeah, for over a year. But see, that's the rahmah of the Prophet. The Prophet was not a man who was impulsive, where someone makes a violation, immediately the Prophet wants to take action. No, this is the messenger of God. And he's our leader and example. 
But the Prophet, you know, in the end he made it very clear to them that if this doesn't stop, you're going to get exiled and they did. So the Prophet just did not want to give any of his enemies any excuse that why didn't you give us another chance? He gave them many chances. It's based on wisdom and justice, not on anger because had he done it the first time, the Prophet knew what they're going to do. But had he exiled them the first time, everyone would have said, oh look at him, he got angry, he's impulsive, he's impatient and he's unfair and he kicked them out. The Prophet wanted to show to the world that no, I am being fair. Yeah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give him the insight into the future. <laughs> that's, that's another discussion, but basically the Prophet was instructed by God to go ahead with the test of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. God wants to test this ummah and these were elements in that test very briefly. Any other ideas, thoughts about the Prophet exiling Banu Qaynaqa? And remember, the Prophet did not fight them, he did not kill them, he just asked them, that's it, leave. And he made an agreement with them that if they make a violation, they will leave or they'd get killed or their woman would be captured. The Prophet chose the lesser of, of the three, leave. I don't want to fight you, leave. Just don't be here anymore, you can't. Yes, so, brother. So these uh, <clears throat> Jewish deceived the Muslims again after the uh, Battle of Khandaq? Many times, this was just the first one. This is just Banu Qaynaqa. Later on, we see every single tribe that the Prophet made peace with, they actually went, conspired with the Mushrikeen to kill the Prophet. In fact, we'll talk about, um, I believe, Banu Nadir. Banu Nadir in the fourth year of the Hijrah, we'll talk about this later. They actually, the Prophet was visiting them, I think in a garden or farmland someplace. They actually tried to kill him. They actually had planned to kill them when Jibra'il comes to the Prophet and he tells him quickly leave. They would come up with conspiracies every single day to kill the Prophet, to kill the Muslims, to create fitna. That was just the beginning. So yes, in the Battle of Ahzab, the Battle of Khandaq, all those battles, they really did play a role in, in encouraging the Mushrikeen. They would tell the Mushrikeen, come, we'll give you access to Medina. They would share sensitive national security issues. And that's why many of those mushrikeen found their way to those areas because of the Jewish conspiracies. History cannot just ignore that and overlook that. The Prophet is Rahman al-Alameen, but what do you do with criminals like that? Treason, that's treason. Even in our own law, even in the US, what does the constitution say about treason? US constitution until today, what does it say about treason? Death sentence, yes. The constitution says, that the death sentence can be applied to the one who commits treason and in fact in the 1960s the Rosenbergs who were discovered to be spying and I don't know collaborating with the enemy I think with the communists they were executed here in the US. That's treason, these people committed treason. Later on we see how they collaborated with the enemy and they you know um, committed treason and remember the Prophet was still patient, the Prophet said leave. But the others, Banu Nadir, Banu Qurayza, the eight tribes from the Aws and the Khazraj, the Jewish tribes, the Prophet still respected them. The Prophet said, okay, Banu Qaynaqa made a violation, it shouldn't impact the others. The Prophet stayed respectful with them, but they kept violating one after the other. It's also important for him to set an example because if 
Exactly, you don't want to encourage others to keep making violations. You have to draw red lines. There must be consequences too. There have to be consequences. If you don't put consequences, they won't take you seriously. So that's unfortunately part of the history of what happened. Now the Prophet he was always very gentle with them. In fact, we have hadiths in Sunni and Shia books that the Prophet when he would hear that a Jewish person uh, was sick, the Prophet would actually go and visit them. He would visit their sick. Uh, once the Prophet was uh, sitting when the janazah of a Jewish person passed by, the casket of a dead Jewish person passed by, the Prophet stood up. He stood up in respect for that janazah. So the Muslims told him, Ya Rasulullah, it's a Jewish person. They thought the Prophet mistook him for a Muslim. It's a Jewish person, why'd you stand up? Why give him respect? The Prophet said, Alaysat nafsan? Isn't he a human being? Isn't he a human being? You see the humanitarian lens through which the Prophet would see others? Even though they had a problem with the Prophet, the Prophet never dehumanized them. They're still humans, alaysat nafsan, beautiful response. Isn't he as a person? Isn't he a human being? Isn't he a soul? That means he deserves to be respected as a human being and I will give him that respect. This is how he would treat them and that's how they treated him. And many, many examples here, how some Jewish neighbors in Medina would give him a hard time, uh, some of the verbal attacks they would make against him and the Prophet was always patient, 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 but sometimes he had to draw clear lines. So there are many, many examples, I just shared a few with you of them creating havoc and problems for the Prophet And many verses of the Qur'an would admonish them, give them advice, even threaten them, but nothing worked with them. They were so stubborn and from day one they were just determined on fighting the Prophet. They were determined that we'll never accept his message. And the reason why they even signed the treaty to begin with, they realized, you know what, let's make one ummah, become powerful, then we'll take over, slaughter those Muslims and we'll be the leaders of the world in Arabia. That was their intent in the beginning. They revealed their true colors later. But of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supports His Prophet and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted victory to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa